Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show to all of our listeners in the United States and around the world. Richard Roberts, hello to you in Okinawa. Ganyang, hello to you in South Korea. And Benjamin in Kazakhstan, we work with the State Department. We love the State Department because they're working to advance quality of life with me for people with disabilities. I am so excited because today we have the U.S. Embassy from Tunisia. Is that awesome? Or what? On the show. You heard me right. Tunisia. And I got to tell you about Cheryl Harris, who, by the way, is originally from Pennsylvania and not far from where I live in Pennsylvania. I met her. I liked her immediately. She is such a kind person. And she is so excited about this show and about spreading the news about disability in Tunisia. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joyce. It is such an honor to be here with you tonight. Um, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you about the U.S. Embassy's work And, of course, we have um, two very special guests with us this evening who will be able to share with us um, so much about the situation of disability rights in Tunisia. I know. I am so excited to have Manel and Amin with us. So, Cheryl, help me with the pronunciation of Manel's last name. (laughs) So, so Manel and I have actually practiced together. So, Manel, tell me if I am going to hit the high note on this. Manel Bargui. Bargui. Okay. Okay. It's Bargui, yes. Okay. And Amin, is your last name pronounced Dridi? Yeah. Amin Dridi. I got one right. Okay, that's amazing. Well, yes. <laughs> we have Manel, who is an English and sign language teacher, and Amin, who is the special education teacher for children with Down syndrome. So, Cheryl, you are the yeah. cultural affairs officer. Um, I'm going to ask each of you to tell us a little bit about yourself what you're doing right now, what your role is. So we'll start with you, Cheryl. Great, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a cultural affairs officer in the U.S. Embassy. And um, one of my favorite parts of this job is being able to connect with people like Manel and Amin who are working to advance such critical issues. And our office works to do that in a variety of ways. Um, We um, host various uh, programs and discussions, um, such as the one, Joyce, that you 
um, participated in last year um, at the American Center. It was a virtual program um, where we bring together Tunisians and Americans and talk about issues of interest. Um, as well as through exchange programs. Um, so the U.S. Embassy offers a variety of different exchange programs for Tunisians. We offer more than 20 programs um, that can provide people with um, professional connections, um, with various academic programs, um, and uh, build ties between the United States and Tunisia. And this isn't unique to Tunisia. The Department of State does this in countries around the world um, as a way of building bridges and, uh, and furthering all of our uh, goals uh, together. And as you know, the State Department is um, very committed to advancing human rights issues, and that includes um, disability rights. And the U.S. Embassy works on a variety of different projects to do that, um, including through non-governmental partners um, in order to increase access to education and employment. Um, and, uh, and we actually have um, a, a call for proposals that will go out soon that will include um, touching on uh, disability rights. Um, so, uh, so we're very eager to continue this work, and especially with such good um, uh, partners like uh, Manel and Amin and, uh, and, and many other uh, people who are working on these issues. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm so proud of you and what you do, Cheryl. Um, Manel, how about you? What do you do, Manel? Okay, so let me introduce you myself. Uh, my name is Manel Bagheri. I'm a teacher of English and the first teacher of English who teaches English to deaf and hard of hearing people in Tunisia through sign language, more precisely Tunisian sign language. I'm so excited and so happy to be among you today to talk about what I'm doing and um, what I do and what I did before. So, uh, actually, I'm a teacher of English for hearing people, but because of um, the love of deaf community and uh, um, many things that I see, um, problems that they are suffering from uh, in my country, so I decided to teach English to deaf and hard of hearing people. So this is why I participated in a professional fellows program, which is a professional, uh, which is a program provided by uh, the uh, U.S. Embassy here in Tunisia, where I had the chance to uh, travel to the United States to to work with uh, deaf people in the U.S. Uh, and I visited Gallaudet University, the National Association of Deaf, and I was. Um, very impressed by the work that is done there, and I learned a lot from their experience. And when I came back to Tunisia, I decided to write uh, the, the to, to work on my project and write the first book that is uh, designed for deaf people, uh, because here in Tunisia we don't have curriculum, we don't have uh, pedagogy of how to teach deaf people any foreign language. So it was the first time that happened. And uh, I succeeded in that, even when the, you know, the American delegation came to Tunisia to, to observe, to uh, evaluate the work. It was really a success. And uh, even the deaf community were, were I mean, was, was, was very um, impressed by the book because it's the first time that they see something like that. And uh, it is designed for them uh, more precisely. 
And uh, I developed up until now four books because um, I, I defend quality education, not only desk, uh, not only, I mean, uh, writing a, only a book. I want it to be quality education, equal education, uh, like a hearing, like the hearing community, the deaf community must have their own books in all the levels, not only one level. So up until now, I wrote four levels, and I'm working on the other levels. Um, I developed also an application called Let's Learn in English Through Signs. It's uh, in Android, and um, uh, um, you can find it in Apple. It's not Apple Store, but uh, Play Store. Uh, so, um, it is for free and it's, um, I'm still developing the app because it needs a lot of work for all the levels. Um, uh, this, this, this becomes, um, a mission, not only a project. It, it, it didn't start as a project. It started as, uh, something that touched my, touched me and, um, I wanted to find a solution for the community so, and then becomes a mission. So uh, this is um, a small introduction of what I do and what I did and what I'm going to do in the future. Well, that's very good and good for you. I know Gallaudet well, um, and I just think that is yeah. awesome what you're, what you're doing. How about you, Amin? Tell us about you. you. Yeah, so I would like, first of all, to, uh, to thank you, Ms. Josie, for, uh, for this invitation. It's a big pleasure to be with you today. I, I would like also to thank the U.S. Embassy here in Tunis for uh, giving, giving us, me and Manel, this big chance to be on this radio show. I also would like to say hi, Aslam, in our Tunisian dialect, to, our, to all our dear listeners. So, uh, my name is Mohamed Aminidridi. I present myself as a Tunisian researcher in the field of special education here in Tunisia. In addition to my profession as the manager of the Rainbow Association for the Education, the Training, and the Integration of Children with the Down Syndrome. So uh, I started my career as a special educator in 2008 at the Tunisian Union for Helping Mental Disabled Persons, where I provided special education for mental disabled children with some cases of children with autism. In September 2011, I was named the manager of the Tunisian Union for Helping the Mentally Disabled People. People, I mean the same organization. So I was responsible of the pedagogical, administrative, and financial management of the of the structure. Then I moved in 2012 to work at the Rainbow Association. It was a new created association just created after the Tunisian Revolution. Within this organization, uh, I, I am responsible of the educational management and the coordination with the technical team in addition to the administrative management of this uh, organization. Meanwhile, in 2015, I had uh, uh, the chance uh, to uh, visit uh, the U.S. like Manel, so uh, in uh, a professional fellowship program focusing on NGO development. So uh, I was in Seattle, state of Washington. I got the chance to work uh, there in Seattle at two hosting organizations, Washington Autism Alliance and Advocacy and uh, Autism and Seattle Autism Center, where I get the chance to navigate the advocacy system in Seattle that helps uh, 
families of children with autism to access the health insurance benefits and the affected services in school and supportive community, regardless of their financial, personal financial situation. I got also the chance to navigate the health services given for children with autism through participating in class and meeting with many um, with many uh, different specialties who work in the in the Seattle Autism Center. I uh, I have also uh, I I get also the chance to uh, to travel to Germany and to navigate to know more more about the inclusive inclusive education for children with multiple disabilities there in Germany through participating in the mentorship program for two months in 2017 at an inclusive school in Stuttgart. Uh, I add that uh, I'm, I, I, I am currently completing my uh, my, uh, my university studying, so I'm, I'm completing my master's degree at the High Institute for Special Education. Yeah, that's uh, all about me, about NMGD. Well, you congratulations to both of you for the wonderful work you're doing. Cheryl, um, you know, for many listeners, not only in the United States, but possibly around the world, people are not all familiar with Tunisia, the country of Tunisia. Could you give us just a little background about where you're located and the size and your estimation of the number of people with disabilities in the country? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would be glad to do that um, along with uh, along with our our fellow guests. Um, Tunisia is, I have to say, a remarkable country. Um, I feel very honored to be serving here. It is located in North Africa, um, on the Mediterranean uh, Sea, and um, it is um, a, a democracy. Um, so, so perhaps some of the listeners aren't familiar with the revolution that occurred in Tunisia um, back in 2010. Um, since that time in the country, there have been many changes. Um, and we at the U.S. Embassy are really um, proud to be working here in Tunisia with Tunisians uh, together um, on a wide range of, of issues. Um, and in terms of the uh, particulars on, on the community here, on the deaf community, I'd love to ask um, Manel and Amin to, to, uh, to contribute to this because we were talking about this uh, prior to the program, and I'd, and I'd love to get their, uh, their take on that for your listeners. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if I will start, I will tell you something that um, um, a little bit um, not very recent. Like uh, I have some statistics. Uh, according to 2014 national consensus, um, we have like 2.3% uh, of uh, Tunisia's population uh, have a disability. Like 37% are children, and 16% have auditory disabilities. Um, but um, maybe Amin will talk more about the yeah. statistics. And uh, the, the being fixed or not fixed, we will see. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, good, man. I mean, the, the numbers given by Banel are... Um, 
are the official numbers that we uh, we uh, we give here in Tunisia. But the problem is that uh, it's not very much official because we, we are working in the field of disability, and we know that uh, many people in the today are don't have uh, um, a disability card here. We call it in Tunisia, so. Still, some many people refuse to have this card, and uh, in the, uh, basing on this fact that the, uh, the government still cannot have the exact number because they are using the, the, the number of people who have who, who officially have this uh, disability card. So, for example, as I said to you, showing uh, my last mail uh, in my organization, for example, we have uh, about. Uh, 33 child are receiving the services of our organization, organization but uh, around five of uh, the children who are um, in our organization and our association don't have this card because people, because their parents still refuse to do, to do this card for them. They are um, as, as if it is some kind of uh, refusing the disability of their children, so they... Um, they refuse to do this card, so uh, uh, you know. And uh, I think it is the same in so many yeah. other organizations. So, yeah. basing on this fact, we cannot really have the exact number of people who have really, who are really disabled in Tunisia. So, official numbers are, are like uh, what Banan said, but uh, the real number is much more than that. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm not surprised at all because uh, in many countries in the world, there is shame associated with having a disability or children with disabilities. Uh, and Manel, I'm curious to know, what got you involved with the deaf community? You know, what, what, how did that happen? Um, actually, yeah, when I was young, I studied with someone who is deaf, uh, but uh, I noticed when I was young, I, I was like uh, eight years old or nine, and I noticed there is a um, like um, misunderstanding between the teacher and the student, and he was always isolated in his classroom. Uh, no connection with uh, with us, with his friends. No connection with uh, with the teacher, and always uh, crying. So it was like, what does what is the matter of this person? But I was like, kid, I couldn't even understand. And even in my neighborhood, um, there are some uh, hard of hearing people, and they speak with their hands. And I was just kid, uh, a kid. I couldn't understand. So. Um, uh, also, I saw on TV like uh, uh, interpretation, but I also I have I had a lot of questions when I was young about this language and why they do not communicate with us with their voices. So up until university, uh, I discovered that I don't have uh, and I didn't see this uh, child, this child or this person. Again, and I don't see people like them again. I only see spoken uh, language. I don't see uh, sign language. So when we, when I was studying my master, I discovered that it's called sign language, and uh, it is um, it is a language. It is a language. So 
because I was uh, I was studying English, so we talked about American Sign Language, and we uh, did a research about the American Sign Language. Um, this is why even my master's degree, actually, I did a comparative syntactic analysis between American Sign Language and spoken English from Chomsky's generative approach, which, which was my, my master's thesis. Uh, but meanwhile, I was looking for Tunisian sign language to learn, to communicate with my neighbors, to communicate with people. Maybe they stop me and ask me, maybe in the future I will have a student who is deaf, so I need to communicate. I won't do the same mistake that the teacher did in the past when I was young. So this uh, affected me, actually, from childhood, but at the end, I felt so happy when I learned the language. Now I have many deaf friends, and I maybe deaf, my deaf friends are more than my 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 hearing friends. Which is uh, I feel like so proud of, of this achievement because uh, being able to communicate with both is, is something um, is something that makes me happy. Even when I was in the U.S., I was communicating with the uh, American deaf people and American hearing people. And I, I, I learned from both. I learned from both communities. They are really dedicated. They are serious. They, uh, I, I worked with them. my supervisor in the U.S. was, was, um, was deaf as well, and I learned a lot from her. Even I learned how to sign thanks to YouTube videos that are about American Sign Language. So it's, uh, it's an accessible language. In the country, Tunisian Sign Language is a, it's so, in progress, uh, people here don't know, they don't even consider it as a language, unfortunately, up until now. Um, and also, they, they really don't uh, respect, let's say, this community, uh, because if what I discovered, actually, we need to change, not them. They are not going to speak. They are not going to speak. We need to sign. We need to learn how to communicate with them. Otherwise, they will be isolated as my, my friend in the past. So uh, this is the most important thing that, I, that, that happened to my life, and I, I, um, I found a solution that I need to learn the language. It's me who needs to, to, to do the thing. You know what, Manel? You're like a disability rights leader. That is such a great statement you made. I can see we... They don't need to change. We do. Wow. How profound and true is that? Uh, Amin, how about you? Yeah. What what got you involved, Amin, uh, working with Down syndrome and other intellectual disabilities? Yeah. So I get involved to work with people with Down syndrome because I, I have already some previous experience with children with mental disability at the Tunisian Union for helping mental mentally disabled person, so uh, I wanted to focus more about the special education programs given for this category of people, of children, because in my previous professional experience, I was working with many categories of disability, mental disability, autism, so I wanted to specialize, to get specialized in specific types of disability and not really go, and not really going in all the way. Also, um, the Rainbow Association, where I where I work, where I work, I mean, it's, it, it receives the Down syndrome children, and it is considered as a new organization. It's a, a new way. In, I mean, it's 
there is a difference because we are between the, the old organization, the old organization technique of work and the new, newest one. I mean, the organization who are created after the revolution. So um, in, the, in, in the rainbow organization, I found a great possibility to, to get developed, to, to, to develop professionally because there is much more uh, innovation and creation. So uh, I believe we are, the, we are the best in Tunisia in terms of what we are giving for, uh, for our children with Down syndrome in, in relation to what we give them as program to prepare them for school inclusion, also in terms of uh, professional training in the field of pastry and making cakes and sweets that we are offering to, the, to some of our children at the Rainbow Association who are uh, more than uh, 16 years old. Yeah. I have a question. So, uh, I have a question. Yeah. How are children? How are children? How are children with Down syndrome treated in Tunisia? So, thank you for your question in relation with how ch children with Down syndrome treated in Tunisia. I believe that the Tunisian treatment for special. Uh, for special needs children generally and children with Down syndrome more specific, especially is getting more and more better due to the great effort uh, made by many organizations to inform people about the Down syndrome and to, um, to, uh, to invite them to be more tolerated, to accept the difference of this category of people. So uh, basing on my 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 experience uh, when we do, for example, some outside activities for our children, we notice that Tunisians are getting much more accepting the difference of these children with Down syndrome. However, sometimes we still notice some negative treatment of parents, for example, taking away the children. Why, if one of our children, for example, getting in touch with with a child, but but we believe that since the revolution, there is an improvement in how uh, people look, uh, consider, and treat children with uh, Down syndrome. Uh, so, for example, and always based, uh, based on my professional experience, we see that many company or people are accepting the idea of hiring a Down syndrome person. So. Um, they are they are starting believing that there there is a place for a Down syndrome person in uh, in in any in in, in professional uh, position, for example, and uh, that this person with Down syndrome can do something. I mean, also many people and shops, for example, are now accepting to buy uh, our pastry product made by our children. So uh, here. Um, uh, here I, I would like to finish my, by the first idea that I said that the improvement in terms of how Tunisian treat children with Down syndrome is mainly due to the big effort done by the local communities here in Tunisia and the association who are working with people and the children with the Down syndrome. Yeah, well, that is very interesting, and I'm glad to hear there's progress being made. I'm especially happy to hear uh, what you're doing, Amin. Man Manel, I have to ask you the same question. Yeah. Uh, you gave me a good idea, though, when you told me about the lack of communication. But how are deaf people viewed in Tunisia, uh, you know, by people 
able-bodied people or hearing people, how are they viewed and do they ever get employment? Um, actually, in our constitution, uh, in terms of employment, uh, I mean, uh, and integration into the job market, um, uh, companies um, like um, are obliged to hire 1% disabled employees. This is in terms of, um, 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 let's say, low, okay, 1%, 2% of disabled employees to, to their companies. However, the Tunisian um, um, in, in practice, I mean, the government, and when, when it comes to practice, the quota is rarely implemented. The low rate of integration into the job market is perhaps also a reflection of the relatively poor quality of education offered in specialized centers. So this is why they are not maybe... Um, accepted to uh, uh, accepted in those uh, companies. If we will uh, talk about uh, hearing deaf communication, I can say that it is not um, very commonly seen in the street or uh, at uh, at uh, uh, at the mainstream schools. Uh, however, we only see deaf, deaf communication. Um, it's very rare. Sometimes I have even parents who are hearing and they don't know sign language. They don't communicate with their kids. They don't communicate with their children, which is really, really sad. Um, um, the information is not uh, well presented to the parents who are hearing, so this is why they don't know and as, as, as Amin said, they are shame, shameful and they don't, they don't accept this. I, I remember once I had, a, I had a, a parent who asked me to let her speak. I don't have to sign. And I said, I, I, you need to understand. It's, your, it's the truth. Your child is deaf. He cannot speak. So she was so angry. And um, uh, they, they, although there is a language, I can communicate with the child. Unfortunately, this is, there is a misunderstanding between parents and kids. There is a misunderstanding between people, even citizens, between themselves, even neighbors. Um, however, let's say, if we compare, if you compare before the revolution and after the revolution, the, uh, the situation changed positively. But still, still, the number is very serious. We need to learn the language. We need also to consider it as a language. There are some people just make gestures. They believe that it's not a language. It's all about gestures, um, which is uh, which is disrespectful for me, and uh, uh, and even for them, they don't uh, they don't they don't um, um, even uh, take the initiative to talk to hearing people. Only they have only deaf. Friends, deaf uh, com community. They in the association here where we, where I where I work. Uh, it's called the AVST Association Voix du Sur de Tunisie. Uh, it's uh, for deaf community. You only find deaf people there, and some some uh, hearing people who uh, are interested. As simple as that. But in the street, it's very rare. And as I told you, even parents, uh, there are many and a huge number of parents who lack communication uh, with their children. Um, but with companies, if we, if we talk about employment, 
There, in terms of uh, law, there is a law that uh, um, that uh, obliges uh, companies to hire one percent of disabled people in general. There is no specific uh, disability, but when it comes to practice, we uh, cannot find all the time deaf people because um, I can explain it by quality education, maybe sign language also, the lack of sign language. It's, um, it's a really big problem, but uh, this situation is getting better after the revolution and also after the COVID-19 because they were aware now that there is a community who needs, uh, who needs, its, uh, uh, who needs their language and we need to, to transfer the information with sign language so they saw the interpreters all the time interpreting all the the news, etc. So this plays a huge role in the change in the mentality positively. Yes. If you can't communicate, you can't work. You know what I mean? If people can't communicate, that's a shame yeah. about, about how the parents feel. Um, let me ask you this, Amin. Do you feel... The same thing. Do you think parents are ashamed if they have a child with autism or Down syndrome? Well, here it's not. Um, first of all, absolutely, any any parents who uh, wish and dream to have a safe and and a normal child, maybe at the first time they feel like. Uh, like a shame, but uh, by the time they are getting used to the situation of their children, and the problem here is that many parents, so many parents don't find, I mean, someone to, to guide them with the problem of their child. Once they found them, I mean, someone who guides them, who explains them, how, who advise them how to deal, how to educate their children, how to treat the children, for example, with autism, I mean, this can e can make the situation much more easier. But whenever they don't find someone to guide them, I feel I think they will absolutely, I mean, feel starting to feel um, to to have problem with the children. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, this will complicate the situation once they don't have someone to guide them. But whenever they found the goods the good organization, the good establishment structure that can receive this child and then give them advice how to deal with this children, how to educate him in a good way. Um, I mean, in, in many terms, I mean, in terms of, uh, of language, of uh, mental disability, of social uh, skills, I mean, how to be a good, uh, uh, how, to get, how to learn this, uh, the necessary social skills. So in this condition, I think... Uh, Parents will not very much be much more uh, ashamed. Of, and based on my experience, the first uh, the first the first experience with the children, uh, I mean, there is a change between the first experience and they um, and the, the, the I mean, and uh, once they, the the parents discover that their children can do something, that their children can improve. I mean, uh, that that children can change, can learn something. Here the, the experience, here the impression of the parents change, and we are here. Normally, are we the professional with well, special education or uh, uh, on different other fields? We are here 
to help those parents to change their representation, their bad representation, their negative representation about their children. They, they, we, we should, I mean, guide them to believe that their children can do something, that their children can be a good child, and, and if they should they just believe that their children is just different. And uh, he's like that, and he, he, but, but he still can do something. And here I'm uh, always basing on my experience. Many parents, uh, I mean, sometimes they believe, and they don't believe. I show him a video, for example, of uh, uh, something done by his child. This is uh, when he see that that um, video or that pictures on post on Facebook. Yeah, he said, yeah, this is my child. They said, yes, this is your children, and he can do something whenever you guide them. You whenever you. Uh, you uh, you hold on. I mean, you you stand up for him. I mean, and uh, yeah. And uh, here I want also to add that uh, there is some other kind of uh, par- parents who are um, uh, actually I uh, I always I mean uh, encouraging. They are from the beginning of experience. They are you feel I like I like I like they are um, gifted. I mean, they are um, admiring their child. I mean, they do everything for their for their for their children, I mean, they sh- they show their children, they always speak about their children, they are not ashamed at any, they're not ashamed at all of their children, so they um, they say, this is my children, he is different, I accept him as he is, and uh, he do all things for, uh, for, for him, but I always come back to the question of uh, guiding parents through their experience with this kind of different child, whether with autism, Down syndrome, or deaf mute children. Well, Manel, if you had to give a message to our listeners throughout the world in reference to our discussion today, what would it be? Um, the I think the only word that I can say is just accept differences. Accept differences. We should not uh, judge others by their difference. Everyone has his or her own uh, strength in this difference. We need to adapt ourselves to according to this difference. So uh, if everyone starts from his or herself developing his or her skills to help others to um, improve um, the life of others, from their angle, I think the world will be a better place, and every person will find the, um, the 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 right place to live in. Because sometimes people, this this minority, is excluded. Sometimes people are they feel that they are excluded from the community. If we know how to adapt ourselves to accept the other. I think that uh, we won't have difficulties to, to, to live together, as simple as that. Wow. Such except differences. So powerful. How about you, Amin? What message do you have to our listeners today? Yeah, I mean, the same uh, important idea is that we should accept and tolerate the difference. I mean, every one of us has some kind of disability. Even we, the normal, we consider ourselves normal. 
but in some way we are disabled. I mean, and the disability is not necessarily clear and obvious. It can be unseen. I mean, so um, we should be empathetic and put ourselves in other situations to be able to understand the condition. I mean, it's really important to think about this, to think about other how they feel, and to 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 to, to put ourselves in their uh, to put ourselves in their uh, position. Uh, for example, we can put ourselves in the position of a parent who have a child with autism. So uh, if we try to do that, we will. Um, we will learn so many things and we will change so many, so many things. So a message, uh, I have a message for people with disability and for uh, any parents who have a child with disability is that nothing for you without you. I mean, nothing for uh, for people with disability or for their parents without them. I mean, it should start from them and go for them. So we they they should keep asking for their right and they don't they should don't give up. I mean, yeah, maybe um, I'd like to say that uh, together we can't uh, we should continue to improve the condition and the opportunities for people with special needs, uh, whether in Tunisia or, or in the whole world. We we should stay just stronger and set goals in life because this can give meaning to our life and uh, we should make sure that, that it's never too late. Just uh, We have just to start, I mean, that will be, and it will absolutely be fine. So together we can beat all the, all the problems that we can face. That's right. I agree with you. So, Cheryl, how about you? Before we end the show, what message do you have for our listeners, not only around the world, but right in Tunisia? Thank you so much, uh, Joyce, for this amazing opportunity. And I would say um, to get involved in your local communities, um, figure out ways that you can help both big and small, uh, look around and see what's happening in your family, with people that you know, at your community center, in your school, at your workplace, um, and that we can all work together to um, implement uh, changes. And um, as Manel and Amin were talking about, to, um, to really accept differences and not just accept differences, but to really champion um, uh, and celebrate those differences um, that, that we all have. And I'd love to invite people to stay in touch with the U.S. Embassy as well, um, especially for listeners in Tunisia. Uh, please stay in touch with us through our Facebook page. Um, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you um, and, uh, and work in partnership with you. So, um, so thanks very much for, for this great, great opportunity. And thanks oh, very much it was, it was so great having yeah, it was so great having all of you on the show. Um, and you'll be back on. Let me tell everyone I'm having them back on. So we end every show with a quote. Today, people with disabilities deserve the chance to build a life for themselves in the communities which they choose to live, said President. Barack Obama. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 